Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm excited to bring you an interview with my friend Angela Watson, and we are going to jump right into it. I know you guys are really going to find this episode helpful because I certainly did. So let's dive right in. Hi, I'm here today with Angela Watson from the Cornerstone for Teachers and the 40-Hour Teacher Work Week, and we're going to talk today about how to automate and delegate your routine tasks that Maybe right now you're doing them in your classroom, but really um, you could have your students do some of them and not only save you the time and energy and having to remember all these things, um, but also give some ownership and responsibility back to the kids. And I'm so excited that Angela's agreed to come talk with us about this uh, because this is something that actually is normally only for members of the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club, but she's agreed to share it with us today. So thanks so much, Angela. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me here, Linda. So before we get into the details of how exactly to automate and delegate, uh, first a question. Um, are, is, who is this for? Is this only for elementary? Um, do you recommend this for secondary teachers as well? You know, sometimes when we think of like classroom jobs or having students do things in the classroom, you know, we think elementary. But But what would you say? Yeah, I think a lot of teachers, when they hear that phrase classroom jobs, they picture, you know, sort of a traditional model where, um, you know, there's like a list of jobs in a chart or something and the kids pick a job and they put their name next to it and um, that's their job for the day. But delegating routines and uh, routine tasks to students can look so many different ways. There's so many possibilities. And it's got a lot of potential at the secondary level too. Um, You know, if you have 250 students, you're obviously not going to have each student have an individual job. But there's lots of other ways to turn the responsibility over to kids. And I think it's really important to do that because, um, you know, when we talk about giving kids ownership of the classroom and really making it their learning space, that means that they need to be responsible for helping to make sure that it runs smoothly. We don't want to have them just take ownership of their learning without having to also sort of shoulder some of that responsibility for making that and learning environment function. Because there's just way too much to be done throughout the day for the teacher to be responsible for remembering and doing it all. And that's really the piece that I am I'm trying to solve. That's that's sort of the pain point that I'm trying to address here with this system, that exhausting piece of trying to remember, okay, this person's supposed to be here, this person's supposed to be here, we're supposed to have these materials out over here, this person's supposed to be taking a test in the back of the room, this person's supposed to have a cell phone out, this person's not. It's just too much, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's what creates exhaustion and overwhelm and burnout because, you know, it's just too much for one person. So we have to not only delegate to the kids, but we have to also automate the system. And that means training kids in how to hold the responsibility for this. So they're the ones who can look around in the classroom, see needs and meet them instead of just sitting there and waiting for you to meet their needs. So if they didn't get a copy of a handout, they know exactly where to go and find it. And if they don't, if they can't find it, they know who in the classroom is responsible for making sure that those copies are there and can help them get it. And that person doesn't have to be you. So we really want to help kids understand some of this behind the scenes stuff that we've been shouldering ourselves for too long as teachers. We've been taking this whole burden on ourselves because a lot of kids will be really excited to have this leadership role in the classroom. It's really empowering for them and it really helps them take full ownership, not only of the learning, but also the whole learning environment. So that can happen at any grade level. K to 12, there is some sort of system here that's going to work for you. 
I love that because, and I can totally see it from both sides because as a teacher, there's like you, yeah, you said that so much of the, the energy drain is just trying to remember everything. And I I remember I would forget to take attendance every morning and the person would come in and I would not have it done yet. This is back before it was on the computer. And, and, and I was just like, I'm sorry, I forgot again until I finally had a student say, can you fill out the attendance and I'll just sign it. And, and things, I just, one less thing to think about. And that's, and that's right. so true. And then on the student side, like you said, I remember as a student, even all the way up through high school, I, I, I just always loved, you know, those types of things. And I would have loved to help a teacher out with, with something. I would have thought it was the coolest thing. So I think it really, you're right. It really can fit in both ways. So can you share before we get into the details, like how exactly, what, what does that maybe look like in a secondary uh, classroom? Y- y- younger teachers are kind of used to this idea, but w- what might that twists or how would that work in a secondary classroom? Well, it might be team jobs. So it might be a sort of situation where each person who sits in a certain seat has a certain job. So if you have your kids sitting in groups of four, the person who seats, sits in seat A is responsible for getting the materials for the group. The person in seat B is responsible for turning them back in. The person in seat C is responsible for plugging up devices at the end of the class period and so on. So the, the job is assigned more to the seat, the, per, the place where they are sitting rather than the individual student so that you don't have to keep track of it so much. So it could be something like that. We're going to talk about some different types of jobs, some time specific and ongoing jobs, and those work really well for secondary too. Um, but one thing that I found that works really well for middle school teachers in particular has been when they present the concept as an actual job for students and have them fill out a short job application. Oh, that's fun. So yeah, so what a lot of the teachers in the club do is they use this Google form that I created. It's really simple. You can have a paper paper version of it too, where um, you know you list out the different jobs that kids can apply for. They pick their top three, and then in the job application, they write a sentence or two explaining why they think they're qualified for each job. And some teachers choose to fire students from jobs if they feel like they don't do them well. Um, kids have the opportunity to quit. They can try out a different type of job they want, and that and so on. So that kind of structure can work really well at the middle school level, and at the second secondary level, um, I've found a lot of teachers have had good results with um, at high school, um, good results with assigning ongoing jobs that are only to specific students who really want them, and then keeping the rest of the job assignments within the context of team and group work, as I said before. So it's really flexible. There's not one right way to do this. And I think that even if you find something that works well at the beginning of the year, you'll want to tweak it throughout the year. And that's kind of what makes this cool is that you don't have to find the perfect way. It's something that can evolve over time as you get to know your kids and as the needs and your classroom change. So it's just a fun thing to experiment with. And I really encourage every teacher to try to find some tips in this episode so that they can try this out with their with their kids, because I think it can be really a, make a big change in their workload. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to give you a lot of specific ideas. But first, there's another pushback sometimes against, you know, giving students jobs or responsibilities. And that's the idea that, you know, sometimes some teachers have tried classroom jobs and they almost like waste more time than they save. What would you say to that? Yeah, I think that's so true. I found that of the teachers that I talked about this, about half of them are like, I've done classroom jobs and I hated it. It was just one more thing for me to remember. <laughs> um, and Which is the not other the half, point at all. <laughs> right, like that's the opposite of the point. Um, and then the other half are like, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. It's completely saved my life. But the difference between those two is whether or not you're just looking for things to keep kids busy. If you're just sort of looking for ways that they might be able to help out a little bit without messing up things too badly. Mm. Um, 
that's a very different approach from really trying to automate because that's the key here. If you're delegating things to kids, but you still have to be the one to remind them to do it, you still have to follow up after them, you still have to check to make sure that it's done, then they're not really helping with anything. It really is creating more work for you. So the automation piece is really, really key. That's that's the way to make it work. So go ahead. I was going to say, so the goal then is to kind of ask yourself, like, what am I doing right now that doesn't really require my expertise as a teacher <laughs> that, that a student really could do if I trained them or if I wrote out a system, you know, came up with a system and, and taught it to them, then, then that's something that they could do then, right? Exactly. So th- that's a great place to start is just sort of brainstorming, you know, what is something that I'm doing um, that, I, that I could transfer the responsibility? Let me say that again. <laughs> what task am I doing that I could transfer the responsibility for to students? So I'm doing something right now that really keeps things running smoothly, keeps things on track. How can I transfer that responsibility to kids? And when kids have those kinds of meaningful tasks and they're entrusted with them and they get a chance to really experience success with them and take ownership of it, to do it in their way and to know that you're not going to be reminding them, you're not going to be telling them, they're just responsible for it. They are able to really do an amazing job with it and it can take a lot of the work off of your plate and empower them instead. That makes so much sense. So let's get into just some ideas. And just to clarify for those of you listening, these are just ideas. Some of them you'll you'll think are great. Some of them will have nothing to do with your teaching situation. It's just meant to kind of get help you start to think of ideas and to kind of take take these seeds of ideas and just run with them and think how they um, could work in your classroom or what would work instead. Because uh, like you said, there, there's no one size fits all here, right? It's just whatever was going to fit in your classroom system. Exactly. Pick and choose what works for you. I've never seen two teachers do this process in exactly the same way. And that's part of what makes it fun. It's a, it's a creative thing. Awesome. So we're going to break up in your, in your club, you break it up into types. Um, you talk about time specific jobs, ongoing jobs, and then, you know, your routine jobs. Um, so let's talk, start with time specific jobs. Can you explain what you mean by this? Yeah, so these are jobs that are done by students at a particular time of day, and it could just be whoever is in the classroom at that time. So two of the most obvious times of day are before school and after school. So if you have sort of a staggered arrival where maybe your bell rings at 8, but you start letting kids in the classroom around 745, 750, those kids who come in early have about 10 minutes in the classroom where they can be helping you set up the classroom for the day and get things going. And if you have a staggered dismissal where, you know, most of your class is gone by, you know, let's say 250 or something, and then you have um, walkers or car riders, whoever who's in your room till 3, 310, you know how long dismissal can sometimes drag on if you have a staggered dismissal schedule. They can be responsible for helping you to shut down the classroom. And depending on what your schedule is like, there may be other times of day too. You may have kids in your room with you, um, you know, at lunchtime, just any time that you know, there's a set time during the day when you need things done and you happen to have some kids in there, you can create a set of jobs for that group of kids. Okay. Yeah. This is a really intriguing idea. So I'm just trying to think this through. If I have, say, a group of students that are there either in the morning or at the end of the day, uh, how do they know what tasks to do? Um, Like, because you're not necessarily assigning it to a specific person, right? It's just for that whoever's there. How does that work? That's right. So uh, let's talk about dismissal because that tends to be a time of day that that tends to be kind of chaotic um, for a lot of teachers. And one of the reasons why it can be chaotic is because if they have a classroom job system or they have things that the kids are helping with at the end of the day, 
all the kids are doing their jobs at once. So then you have 30 kids in the room all doing different things. They're all in different places and it just gets nuts. So um, what I found works better is to wait until most of the class is dismissed and you just have a couple of kids left over. And then those are the ones who are in charge of this time specific job, these dismissal tasks. So they can straighten the desks. You know, they have separated out of their rows or out of their groups. They're not in place. They can straighten them back up. They can change the calendar marker to the next day, erase the board, um, write the morning work on the board for you, that sort of thing. So um, the way that I got started with this was during the first week of school, I would sort of notice over those first couple of days, who were the kids who were usually first in the classroom and who were the ones um, left at the end of the day. And then by the third or fourth day of school, I could start to see a pattern. It's not exactly the same kids every day, but you know, the ones who are early tend to be early a lot. And the ones mm-hmm. who are there late tend to be late a lot. So it's, it's, it's a basic sort of core group. And I just have a conversation with them and just say, you know, Hey, and we've got about probably 10 more minutes until you leave. There's just a couple of you here. Let me show you some of the things that I do at the end of the day to get things ready for the next day. Do you want to see? And then I sort of show them the types of things that I do. And then I say, you know, if you're here at the end of the day, would you like to help with this? Is this something that you could be in charge of? You know, and then they can sort of divvy the tasks up among themselves and it just becomes a kind of a fun process there. It's not very often that kids are alone in the classroom with the teacher, just a handful of kids and the teacher. So it becomes sort of like a fun time where they're laughing and joking, having a good time, getting things done um, just really informally. And I found that it works really well for a lot of teachers to do it like this, these time specific jobs. Oh, that's cool. So it's not necessarily that each student has a specific job. It's just these are the things that need to get done during this time. And since it's the same group, they typically know and just whoever's there can just jump in and do it. Am I understanding that right? That's the way that I leave it. Um, some groups of kids like to sometimes there'll be one group of uh, one child in the group who likes to sort of take charge and be like, OK, who's going to do what? And they divvy up the tasks among okay. themselves. Um, but I don't, I stay out of it. I'm not interested. <laughs> I give it to the group. Like you guys can work it out however you want to, as long as it gets done, I'm happy. So whatever you want to do is fine with me. That's really cool. That makes a lot of sense. And man, I'm just thinking back. Um, I used to write the, right. I, I spent most of my morning every morning writing the homework for six classes, the bell work for six classes, like who was putting work up on the board for six classes. And I really could have Maybe I, I didn't have students in my room, but I probably could have asked someone to come in from early care or and they would have probably been loved to do that. So that's um that makes a lot of sense. That's a great example because I know that some teachers are listening to this and thinking, oh man, I wish I kind of wish I had a staggered arrival or dismissal schedule. But anytime that there's, you know, you have the classroom to yourself, if you can invite kids in from before care, after care, if there's you know, a, a faculty member's student who you know is there early who might want to help out, invite those kids into the room and you know, create that partnership with them. That's awesome. Okay, so time specific jobs um, that make that, that that's such a great idea. Uh, you also talk about in the club. You talk about ongoing jobs. Um, what does that mean? How does that work? So these are jobs that are for selected students to take over, sort of indefinitely. They might be changed out, maybe on a quarterly basis. Um, could be semester. Could even be really for the whole year. So these are the types of tasks that are. Um, really important, and they really require a specific skill set. So for example, if you have a class library, um, it's good to have students go through and just sort of straighten up the books, make sure they're where they're supposed to be. Um, You know, if any books are torn, need to be repaired, they put them in a special bin so that they can be taped up. Students can be in charge of that, but not just any student. You need to have a student who really likes order. You know, if if a child really struggles just to keep their own backpack 
and desk organized, they're not going to do a great job with your class library. That's going to be overwhelming and not fun for them. So find someone who just, you know, is, is very sort of type A and orderly and, and likes systems and, you know, ask that student, you know, can I have, can I have your assistance in making sure that our class library looks good? Um, so that student may keep that job, you know, for a month, quarter, semester, however long you think. Um, another example is sort of an IT team. So these are kids who are good with technology. So if the computer freezes up or the printer won't work or something, instead of students having to sit there and wait for you and you being the only person in the classroom who could help, or, you know, they just start sort of, um, you know, distract everyone around them, you know, and then all the kids around them are trying to help them at once and they don't even know what they're doing. I've seen both scenarios. (laughs) I've been in these scenarios. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Have an IT team. Have, you know, designate four or five kids in your class who are really good with technology and who are also really patient with their classmates who aren't going to be disruptive about this or get impatient and nasty with them about it. You know, kids who really want to help and are good at it. And they can be in charge of it. So, you know, if you're stuck and, you know, the teacher is busy with something, then you could ask someone from the IT team. That would be an ongoing job. That's probably going to be the same group of kids all year long because it's it's just not a good match for every student. So that's the sort of thing that I'm thinking about here, where you're really looking at kids' personalities and figure out who would be good at it and just approaching that student privately and just saying, hey, I noticed you're really awesome at this and I could use some help. Could I count on you to help me with this? And most of the time, kids will really want to step up with it. Yeah, that that those are some great ideas. I As I'm thinking about it, I often had a student, uh, I'd have, I have a class secretary where I'd ask one student uh, to write down what we did each day and to communicate with the students that were absent. And yeah, that couldn't just be any student, you know, that needed to be a student that was organized and also a student that um, typically had a little bit of extra time because they got done their work early. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we would ask a student and we'd either, they'd either keep it maybe for a whole quarter um, because, you know, they, they would just do it for a longer length of time. So yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so we've got, go ahead. Yeah. Let me add in one piece here. Cause I, I have a feeling as we're talking about this, that there's teachers who are listening to this and thinking, but is that fair to the other kids? Mm, because question. especially if you teach elementary, they will say, how come so-and-so always gets to be the one <laughs> to do this. And the thing to remember here is that this is not about fairness. This is not about this like fun little activity where everybody gets to participate evenly. This is serious business. We're talking about, you know, in, in the example that you just gave, we're talking about making sure that kids who are absent have the right assignments. Like this is important stuff that needs to be done and keeping, you know, I tried to tell my students when I was in the classroom, like, you know, keeping our classroom running smoothly, it's a big responsibility and I need everyone to play an important part in this. Um, you know, so as a teacher, don't get caught up in trying to make this into like this, this fair thing. It's really about making this a system where things are truly automated and you don't have to think about it. Things need to be done well and not by you. So the kids who maybe are a little bit less capable, less responsible for taking over these types of jobs, you can have them do smaller things throughout the day. And you can have them do these routine jobs, which we'll talk about next. But, you know, you can just say, you know, you can give them little ways to include them. You know, you're calling on them in class. You're asking them to participate in learning activities. Those kids get plenty of attention, plenty of interaction throughout the day. But when we're talking about automating your your classroom, really think about what is going to work for you, because this is supposed to be a benefit for everyone. It's not just about, you know, making kids feel good. They're going to feel good when they're contributing in meaningful ways to the classroom. I love that. That's that's such an important thing to keep in mind. So you just mentioned these kind of routine jobs. Can you share a little bit about that? 
Yeah. So this is where we get into more of like a traditional classroom job system where, you know, you have this selection of jobs and the kids keep them. Some teachers have them switch every day. I recommend not having kids switch jobs more often than once a week, because if it's less than a week, they'll forget what their job is that day. Mm -hmm. And again, we want this to be really automated. We want them to really internalize this as my responsibility and keep up with it. So if you teach at the middle and high school level, you may not have any of these types of jobs. All of your jobs may be ongoing jobs because it's just easier to manage. Maybe you have you know, 10 things that need to be done. You've got your 10 kids who do it. It it may not even be 10 kids like in every class period. It may just be something that needs to be done, you know, once a day. So you just have 10 kids total. Whatever works for you is fine. So you may not actually have routine jobs or you may just have three or four of them. Um, At the elementary level, it doesn't really matter about how many of these you have as long as you're not picking filler jobs. You want to pick things that actually do need to be done because otherwise you're just creating more work for yourself. So a couple of examples of routine jobs that might work is um, substitute. So this person is in charge of noting who is absent um, from the classroom. And that might not necessarily be someone who is absent for the day. If you have kids going out to pull out classes a lot during the day, you know, maybe they were there earlier, but then when it's time for them to, you know, pass out materials or something, they're not there. So the substitute is the person who's watching this and will fill in for any of those jobs. So that could be an ongoing job, depending on if you need a certain personality type for that, or it could be a routine job which everyone can sort of rotate through and take turns doing. Um, That's an example. Another one could be a teacher's assistant who just sort of handles your miscellaneous tasks. Anything that's not specifically covered by a different job that you need done, you know, maybe it's during a class party, you're passing out extra napkins, you know, those little random things that come up. You know, that way the kids aren't all, you know, competing to see who's going to get that job. It's a teacher's assistant. Just give it to that person. Mm -hmm. And it's a routine job so the kids can sort of, you know, rotate through it and take turns doing it. I love that. So so you're saying if you have – if you don't have a job for each student, they can just – you know, rotate every week. So you can have a week off and then a week on. It's, it's not like every student has to have a job every single day. Exactly. On, even, even on the elementary level. Yep. Awesome. All right. I hope you guys are getting some ideas. And Angela's actually offered uh, a list that's from the club of a whole bunch of classroom ideas. Can you share us exactly what this list is, Angela? Sure. So if you're thinking about types of things that you could have students do, but you're not sure what would really take things off your plate, um, I have a great list. I have an elementary list and a secondary list that are designed to help you think about this. And and I've got them organized into the three types of jobs. So um, we have those time-specific jobs, which kids can do for you, say, before school or after school. We have the ongoing jobs where you match the kid's personality to the job and they keep it for, you know, a whole year. And then those routine jobs that pretty much anybody can do and you can just sort of switch them out throughout the year. So you can use that to help you brainstorm and start thinking about ways that you want to have kids um, really start taking control of some of these routine classroom tasks for you. Thank you so much, Angela. This is I'm so excited that Angela is sharing this because once again, this is something that's normally just for 40 hour teacher workweek members. Um, but you can get your copy at teachfortheheart.com slash delegate. That's teachfortheheart.com slash delegate. And I think that'd be super helpful as you're trying to think this through. And then finally, as you're thinking, okay, as you think through, okay, I have my jobs. Uh, then the next question is, how do I implement them? And, and we don't have time to get into all of this today. But the good news, we have two pieces of good news. One is that Angela has a whole 10-step system in the July materials of the 40-hour teacher work week that explains how to take these ideas and actually implement them 
in your classroom. So if you go to that same link, teachfortheheart.com slash delegate, uh, you can also find links to the 40-hour teacher work week um, where um, you can join there and get tons of tips. This is the kind of stuff Angela gives every week in the 40-hour teacher work week. Super practical, amazing. But before we go, Angela, do you have just like one or two quick tips that you could share when teachers think about implementing these classroom jobs in the fall? Yeah, sure. I'll give you two. Um, I think probably the most important thing to remember is to build in student choice. Mm. Any sort of delegation system or classroom jobs is not meant to be forced labor or, you know, induced in a way that's going to create a power struggle with a student. That's not fair to kids. And it's not going to get you the result that you want. Um, And in fact, that's why a lot of classroom job systems fail, because the kids just rotate through a bunch of tasks that they don't care about. They didn't ask to do them. And it's really no wonder that they don't remember to do their jobs or that they do them sloppily. So if you want jobs to be done the right way, it's important to let kids choose what they want to do, Um, you know, especially at the middle and high school level. You may find that, you know, if you have a, you know, a handful of kids that aren't interested in doing any of the tasks, that's fine, because the kids who do enjoy helping will have a much greater capacity for doing it. Um, and, and they'll easily pick up the slack. But do ask your students, because I've seen a lot of teachers who assume their kids wouldn't buy into the system. And then we're just shocked at like how much their kids were into doing all these different types of tasks that they didn't think they would. So let your kids make the choice, present them with the opportunity and let them decide. That's really important. That would be the first tip. Um, and the other tip is to remember that in order for any sort of delegation system to your students to really succeed, you're going to have to be willing to let go of control. And that's one of the core principles of the club. 80% done by someone else is better than 100% done by you. So if a student can get a task 80% of the way there, that means you only have to do the last 20%. Wait a second, Angela. Say that that again. That's like mind-blowing concept here. (laughs) (laughs) 80% done by someone else is better than 100% done by you. So let the students get you 80% there. And then instead of thinking, oh, I still have to follow up behind them. I still have to do this. I still have to do. But you're only doing 20% of it, right? 20% right. is better than 100. That's so. And Especially get, if you didn't have to tell them, like, they just did the 80% all on their own, right? Like, because you, ta- you talked to them. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> because that's really the worst case scenario. A lot of times kids are going to be able to do these tasks 100% on their own. But, you know, if you find that sometimes you're having to do maintenance on this system or resolve disputes between kids or update the system, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, this is just more work. But you know, the kids are doing the majority of it. If you're able to delegate it to someone else, that's better than trying to do the whole thing. And perfect is really the enemy of done. You know, if you want it to be perfect, you know, then you're going to end up having to do everything yourself. If you want to get kids involved, then you're going to have to practice relaxing your standards a little bit, because these are just routine tasks in your classroom. You know, it's just straightening things up, keeping things moving along. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be done. So let kids take ownership of things like passing out papers and straightening bookshelves so that you can concentrate on the stuff that really moves the needle and really makes a big impact on their learning. I love that. Letting go of that perfectionism. It can be hard, but it's so worth it. And and if they're really resisting that, I would challenge you, just try it. I think if you try yes. it, you'll be really glad you did. You can always go back, right? Isn't it? You can always go back to what you were doing before. But definitely, I think I think you'll be really glad that you did. Before you go, Angela, can you share with us just a little bit more about the 40-hour teacher work week and you know how and when teachers can join? I believe they can join right now, correct? That's right. We're accepting new members for this cohort through July 18th. And um, you guys can join at teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. Um, We do partner with Angela to spread the word about the club because we think it is 
amazing. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And um, just just before we go, can you share a little bit about like who is this club for um, and, and what is the goal of the club for those that aren't familiar with it? Sure. It's designed for K-12 general education teachers in the United States. And we do have some international teachers. We have special educators. Um, but that's really who it's designed for is K-12. And it's what I've done with the club is try to do some of this big picture work for you. Like this deep dive here that I've done into how to delegate um, tasks to systems no one who was in the classroom every single day has the mental bandwidth to think this stuff out, right? (laughs) You're just trying to survive. You're not thinking about, you know, what type of day should I have these tasks done? And how does this work? And how do I match this? You need somebody to help you figure out that big picture work. And that's really what I've done with the club is I have done the deep dive. I've looked into the research. I've tested things out with teachers and found different principles and systems that really work. So I've done that. And then I can just provide you the tips, the strategies, um, in this case, the forms and templates. So it's like, here you go. It's done for you. Now you just think it through for yourself and figure out how you want it to work in your classroom. And again, that's like 80% done, right? Yes. <laughs> that's all you have left now is just figure out how to tweak it because I've done the hard work for you. And that's really what I'm trying to do through the club. Um, you know, providing all those strategies and templates to figure out how you can streamline your workload and um, giving you a community of teachers that you can bounce these ideas off of so that you don't feel alone and you don't feel like you're trying to reinvent the wheel on your own. Yeah. And, and Angela's, you know, understating just the impact this has had on so many teachers. I've been um, privileged to be able to see this club from the time it first started a couple years ago and just hearing all the stories of teachers and just the time that they're saving and the balance they're adding back into their life and how they're, they're better teachers in the process because they're more intentional with the routines and their time. And, um, I, I absolutely cannot say enough good things about it. You should definitely at least check it out at teachfortheheart.com slash 40 hour teacher and then grab that, um, checklist and list of jobs at teachfortheheart.com slash delegate. Uh, Thank you so much for being here with us, Angela. Anything else to add before we go? Thanks, Linda. This was really a great conversation. And I appreciate your kind words about the club too. And it's it's hard for me to even tell some of the stories that I've seen from teachers about how this has impacted, had a positive impact on their marriage. They feel like a better wife or husband. They feel like a better mom or dad, and they feel like a better teacher. And that is just, it's just so powerful. And it's something that um, it's just an honor to help teachers with because I think work-life balance is so important. And I think every teacher deserves to keep doing this job this year who loves without mm-hmm. burning out. And we've got to find ways to do that. And I think the club has been a really great system for people. And I'm really excited about the chance to um, to get more teachers involved and help you know making a difference for them too. You're doing amazing work, Angela. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here today. Thanks, Linda. So there you have it. I hope you guys found this episode to be as helpful as I did. And I hope that you now have these ideas that you can think through over the summer and really come up with a system that will work for you and for your classroom. As I said, don't forget to hop over to teachfortheheart.com slash delegate to get your printable list that has all these classroom jobs and ideas and explanations. Uh, Like I said, not all of them will be for you, but you'll definitely get some great ideas from those lists. And if you'd like to check out the 40-Hour Teacher Work Week, I highly recommend it. You can find out the details at teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. Thank you guys again so much for being here. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference.